Hello, I am Matthew Hurst, the worship minister of First Baptist Church, Watauga, and we want to simply say thank you for listening to these messages. We'd like to invite you on Sunday morning at 1045 to join us in worship of God and to hear from His Word. Our mission here at FBC Watauga is to exalt the Savior equip the saints, and to evangelize the lost one person at a time. So I pray as you listen to these messages that you would be encouraged and equipped as you listen to the word of the Lord today. So when Emily was really little, she had difficulty saying that just one person was her best friend. In fact, if you became friends with Emily, you didn't just become her friend, you became her best friend. I can remember many days when she would come home from school and say, Daddy, I made a new best friend today. And really, I think the underlying reason for this is because Emily simply had difficulty picking favorites. If you were to ask her who her favorite teacher was, she would say, all of them are my favorites. But it wasn't just with people. If you were to ask her what her favorite color was, she would say all of them. Or, or even what her favorite number was, she would say I like all of them. I think deep down she just wanted to make sure that if word got out, that everyone would know that every single person, color, and number was important to her. She just didn't have any favorites. So we're in a series right now titled Life in Jesus' Name, and we're walking through the book of John. And last week, we closed out chapter three. Today, we're gonna launch into chapter four. And as we look at our passage today, we're gonna be looking at the story of the woman at the well, or Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman. And as we look at this passage, what we're gonna understand is that Jesus does not show favoritism. We saw this call on our lives as believers clearly in in the book of James that we are called to not show favoritism. But, But as we look at this passage today, we will see and understand that God is not a God of favorites. And so Jesus did not then and Jesus does not now show favoritism. Rather, both men and women are significant. Every race and tribe are important, and every single person is valuable to God. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 4. John 4, we're going to look at verses 1 through 26. And let me just set this passage up for you. If you remember last week, uh, Pastor Dennis uh, talked about the, that John and his disciples were baptizing new believers, but, but Jesus' disciples were also baptizing new believers. And so there was this dispute that arose between John's disciples and a Jew uh, about purification. And, and so this dispute was brought to John, and John, of course, showed great humility and pointed back to the superiority of Christ. But, but ultimately, the Jews and the Pharisees were, were not happy with, was, with what was going on in either John's ministry or in Jesus' ministry. And so, as the Pharisees see 
that Jesus' disciples are baptizing more than, than John's ministry, they see this as an opportunity to create division between the two ministries. But as we're going to see in, in verse 1 today, Jesus learning that the Pharisees had heard about what was going on in the two ministries... Jesus decided instead of allowing the Pharisees to have an opportunity for division, instead of allowing the enemy to, to have an opportunity to create conflict, Jesus leaves Judea to go to Galilee. Now, this isn't our main point today, but what great wisdom there is in this that instead of allowing the enemy to have a foothold, instead of allowing conflict to arise, Jesus removes the opportunity. So even as we're getting started this morning, let me, let me pause right now and ask you this. Where in your own life do you need to remove the opportunity for the enemy to create conflict? Where in your own life do you need to remove the opportunity for the enemy to have a foothold. So as we read our passage today, we're gonna start out with Jesus starting out on this journey. So let's read John chapter four, verses one through 26. It says, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went, to, went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him, for Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep, so where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. 
God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. So as we walk through this passage today, there, there are three important truths that I want you to walk away with. The first thing that I want you to see this morning is that Jesus meets us right where we need him to. Jesus meets us right where we need him to. Now, as we look at this particular meeting between Jesus and this woman at the well, there were certainly different things that could have been barriers to prevent Jesus from meeting this woman right where she needed him to. But understand this, nothing can stop Jesus from meeting us right where we need him to. Nothing can stop Jesus from meeting you right where you need him to. So the first thing that we see that didn't stop Jesus from meeting this woman right where she needed him to was her location. What does verse four say? He had to travel through Samaria. Now this may seem only like a matter of geography that, that forced Jesus to travel through Samaria. But understand, Jewish travelers of that time did not travel through Samaria. In fact, Jewish travelers had a route that they would use to circumvent Samaria. They would use this route, even though it was longer, they would use this route to go around Samaria simply so they didn't have to walk through Samaria. So as we're told that Jesus had to travel through Samaria, this wasn't out of geographical necessity. This was out of divine necessity. Jesus had to travel through Samaria, not because there was no other way to Galilee. Jesus had to travel through Samaria because there was no other way for this woman to be saved. Jesus had to travel through Samaria because he knew that he was the way and the only way for this Samaritan woman to be saved. And so there is a good little nugget of truth here for us that there isn't anywhere that Jesus wouldn't go to reach the lost. There isn't anywhere that Jesus wouldn't go to reach the lost. So let me pause here and ask a question that might hit home for us. Is there anywhere that you wouldn't go to reach the lost? Is there anywhere that you would say, nope, I'm not going there, Jesus. Is there anywhere that you wouldn't go to reach the lost? And if there's anywhere, if there's not anywhere that Jesus wouldn't go to reach the lost, then we also ought to have that same heart to say, yes, Jesus, I will go anywhere. I will go anywhere you call me to, to reach the lost. So location didn't stop Jesus from meeting this woman right where she needed him to. The second thing that we see that didn't stop Jesus from meeting this woman right where she needed him to was her race. So the reason that Jewish travelers didn't travel through Samaria wasn't simply because they didn't like the area, but they didn't like the people. Jews did not associate with Samaritans. This woman even brings this up to Jesus. Samaritans interpreted the law differently. They even worshiped on the wrong mountain, which we'll talk a little bit more later on in the sermon. But understand this, there was a great divide between Jews and Samaritans. 
So if we were going to discuss the political climate of our country today, a great word that we could use is divided. And it seems that, that you are either in this camp or you are in this camp. You either support this party and its policies or you support this party and its policies. And it seems that, that this divide just keeps getting greater and greater to the point that if you don't align with me, if you don't agree with me, then I want nothing to do with you. We have a simple word for this on social media. It's called unfriended. So imagine with me for a moment that Jesus is traveling to Galilee, and on his way to Galilee, he had to travel through the opposite party's national convention. Whatever party that you align yourself with, Jesus is traveling through the opposite party's national convention. But not only is he traveling through there, he's decided to sit down at a table at that national convention. And not only is he sitting at a table, but now he's engaging with conversation with someone at that national convention. How could he? How could he associate with someone like that? How could he go somewhere like that? Understand, this was the divide between the Jews and the Samaritans. This wasn't just some simple conversation between Jesus and a Samaritan woman. This would have been a very controversial conversation that Jews would have looked at and asked that question, how could he? But as Jesus meets this woman at the well, Jesus shows us and he reminds us that every single life is important, that not one race is more important than another race, that, that even though she wasn't a Jew, her life was still important, she was still valuable, she was worth it. Do you understand this morning that regardless of who you are, regardless of where you come from, regardless of what your background is, you are worth it to Jesus. How do I know this? Because Jesus didn't just stop at this well. He went all the way to the cross and Jesus died on that cross for my sins, but he also died on that cross for your sins because you are worth it to Jesus. So location didn't stop Jesus from meeting this woman right where she needed him to. Race didn't stop Jesus from meeting this woman right where she needed him to. The third thing that we see that didn't stop Jesus from meeting her right where she needed him to was gender. Now, often in biblical times, it seems that, that women were looked down upon by many, but, but we also understand that our, in our own country's history, women were looked down upon and mistreated by many. And still today, in many countries around the world, women are looked down upon and treated as less than human, and that is an understatement. But as we see Jesus sit down at this well, as we see Jesus go out of his way to meet this woman, we are reminded that God doesn't value men over women. He doesn't value women any less than he values men, rather, he values us each the same. He came into this world for both men and women. He died on the cross for both men and women. And so for Jesus, 
It's not that he's, he's stopping at this well to meet with a Samaritan woman. He is stopping at this well to meet with one of his own creations whom he loves, whom he values, whom he sees as worth it, regardless of gender. You see, Christ, through salvation in him, he is the great equalizer. Galatians 3.28 reminds us that in Christ there is no Jew or Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. And so it didn't matter that she was a Samaritan. It didn't matter that she was a woman. She was worth the encounter. So location didn't stop Jesus from meeting this woman right where she needed him to. Race didn't stop Jesus from meeting this woman right where she needed him to. Gender didn't stop Jesus from meeting this woman right where she needed him to. The final thing that we see that didn't stop Jesus from meeting this woman right where she needed him to was her sin. So Jesus didn't only stop to meet with a Samaritan woman, he stopped with this woman who clearly is in a habitual cycle of sin. She was bouncing from one husband to the next to the point that that the person she's living with, the man she's living with now is not even her husband. Now she didn't have to tell Jesus that she was living in a lifestyle of sin. Jesus already knew it, right? How do we know? Because, Because verse six tells us that Jesus sat down at the well at noon and it was at noon that this woman was coming to draw water from this well. It seems like a minor detail. However, at that time, women in the community would not be going in the heat of the day to this well to draw water. Their, their water jars were, were large and heavy, especially filled with water, and they're gonna be carrying these things back home. They wouldn't be going in the heat of the day. The women in the community would be going in the early morning hours, in the cool of the day, to draw their water. So this woman knowing her sin and feeling the weight uh, of the shame due to her sin is intentionally going to this well in the heat of the day simply so she could avoid everyone else, simply so she could avoid the women in the community. She is intentionally avoiding others. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that place where you've got sin in your life and because of that you begin to simply avoid others? Maybe you even stop attending church during that time because you don't wanna hear a message of conviction or you don't want another believer to point out the sin in your life and to point you in the right direction. And so you simply move into this mode of avoidance. If that's where you find yourself today, if you would say, I find myself in this mode of avoidance, can I just be honest with you this morning and tell you right now, God wants better for you than what you are providing for yourself. God wants better for you than what you are providing for yourself. But God also has better for you than what you are providing for yourself. Let me encourage you today, if you find yourself in that cycle of habitual sin, it's time to break that cycle. You don't have to continue in your sin. You don't have to continue in that cycle simply because that's where you find yourself today. Today, that cycle can be broken. In Christ, there is freedom. But could it be 
that this woman isn't simply avoiding going when all of the other women are going to the well because she simply doesn't want them pointing back to the truth. Could it be that she is avoiding the crowd? Could it be that she's avoiding going to the well because she's already done it and she was mistreated and called a lot of nasty names because of her sin? So let me address those of us that, that may be in here today that, that may not find ourselves in a place of sin or, or trapped in that cycle of sin. And, and, and let me just say this, if someone comes into our midst, if someone comes into your life and, and, and they would find themselves in that cycle of sin, in that lifestyle of sin, name calling and mistreatment is never okay. That is never the answer. Yes, we want to point them back to the truth. We want to show them that, that God is the way for them to be free, that Christ is the way for them to receive freedom. We want to do what we can to help them come out of their sin, but we want to instruct them with both grace and love. But Jesus knows this woman has sin in her life and, and he doesn't call her names. He, he doesn't avoid her. In fact, he goes to this well intentionally and purposefully exactly when he knows that she's gonna be coming to this well because she was worth it to him. Even her sin couldn't stop Jesus from meeting her right where she needed him to. So let me pause and ask this. What do you think is the one thing in your life that would prevent God from loving you today? What is that one thing in your life that, that you think would, would prevent Jesus from meeting with you today? And, and would you consider that it is in that exact place at this exact time today that Jesus wants to meet you there? So Jesus meets us right where we need him to. The second thing I want you to see is that Jesus offers a greater satisfaction. Jesus offers a greater satisfaction. Let's read verse 10 again. It says, Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Jesus offers a greater satisfaction. So I brought with me this bottle of Topo Chico. Now, if you're not familiar with Topo Chico, it is a brand of carbonated mineral water. So several years back, uh, I stopped drinking soda so I could reduce my sugar intake. But, but one of the things that I was missing out on that I crave is that feeling of, of carbonation in my mouth. And, and so for years, I've been drinking carbonated water. I've been drinking Perrier up until a couple of months ago. And then I decided I'm gonna try Topo Chico. And let me tell you, Topo Chico is by far the best carbonated water out there. Yes. <laughs> Amen. It is the best carbonated water out there. Everything else, all other carbonated waters pale in comparison. So it comes from a naturally carbonated spring in Monterey, Mexico. And the carbonation is far superior to other carbonated drinks. That, that sting that you feel when that carbonation hits your tongue is so much stronger, it's so much better, all right? And literally, after drinking Topo Chico for a couple of months, I went back and I tried Perrier and it tasted like flat water. 
I could barely even tell it was carbonated anymore. All right. Not only, though, is the carbonation stronger, it also lasts an incredibly long time. So with most carbonated drinks, you, you leave it open to the air for a while, and, and it's going to lose its carbonation. I've left my bottle open for a couple of days and gone back, and it's still just as carbonated as it is before. Right now, listen, I realize I'm talking an awful lot about Topo Chico, which, by the way, not a sponsor today. Right? <laughs> It would be cool if they were, though. <laughs> but understand this. When you experience the best thing, everything else pales in comparison. When you experience the best, everything else pales in comparison. And so Jesus meets this woman at the well, the well, the well where she's been going day after day to get water water that will only quench her thirst for a day, and he offers her something way better. He offers her a greater satisfaction. He offers her something that's never gonna lose its taste, something that's never gonna run dry, something that will quench her thirst for all eternity. He offers her living water. He offers her eternal life. He offers her himself. But what we also see is that this woman hasn't simply been going to this well for water. She's been going to another well for satisfaction. She's been going to the well of relationships with men. And she has found this well to be a well of endless dissatisfaction. And so she goes from this man to this man to this man uh, to the point that she's had five husbands and the one she's living with right now is not even her husband. Clearly, she's longing for fulfillment. Clearly, she's longing for something more, but what she has found in this well of relationships is that the, the relationships of this world simply do not fill that void in our life, and it's not filling the void in her life. And so she is still searching for that fulfillment. She is still thirsty. Now she knows that there is something more to life out there. She knows that there is something greater or even someone greater that's coming because in verse 25 she says, I know the Messiah is coming. But even though she knows that there's something greater out there, even though she knows that there is someone greater out there, someone that is coming, she is still going from relationship to to relationship, going from man to man, just looking for that fulfillment in her life. And Jesus meets her right at this well, not this water well, but this well of relationships, and he says, I've got something better for you. I've got a better relationship for you. That, that Messiah that you're looking for, the one that you say that's coming, that's gonna explain everything, the one that's gonna change your life, the one that's gonna offer you eternal fulfillment, I, the one speaking to you, am he. And so Jesus basically says to her, I'm here at the well of your life, and I'm here to offer you greater satisfaction. I'm here to offer you eternal satisfaction, and in me, you will never be thirsty again. So let me pause right here and ask you this. What is the well of your life? Where are you currently seeking 
that satisfaction and fulfillment for your life? Where are you going day after day to get that fulfillment and you end up finding out that you're just thirsty again? You end up finding out that it's never truly satisfying, it's never truly fulfilling. And can I tell you right now that wherever that well is, wherever you are going, Jesus is better. And once you have tasted and experienced Jesus, everything else pales in comparison to him. So Jesus meets us right where we need him to. Jesus offers a greater satisfaction. Finally this morning, Jesus refocuses our worship. Jesus refocuses our worship. Let's look at verses 19 through 24 again. It says, sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus refocuses our worship. So many of you are probably familiar with that term, worship wars. Now, as Pastor Dennis has mentioned in the past, Worship wars have really been around a lot longer than even the term itself because even in the late 1800s, people were beginning to complain about these newer songs that were being introduced by this new generation that was changing the way they worshiped the songs that we now know as our beloved hymns. But that term worship wars really emerged in the early 1990s as as newer choruses were being introduced to churches. In fact, my father-in-law was a a pastor of a small church at the time when some of these worship wars were were really beginning at that time. And, And so he had brought an overhead projector into the auditorium so that he could play some of these newer choruses with his guitar. How dare he? So one day, he walked into the auditorium and someone had dumped salt all over the overhead projector. Talk about being salty. So for the Jews and the Samaritans, the worship war was not over style of worship or over song choice. The, the worship war was over place of worship. So the Samaritans had, had built a, a temple for their worship around 400 BC. And then around 128 BC, the Jewish people went in and destroyed the Samaritans' temple. They've got something to be salty about now. And so this, of course, only divided the Jews and the Samaritans even greater, right? And so this woman at the well, she brings up this dispute over place of worship to Jesus. She says, our, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place of worship is in Jerusalem. And so Jesus acknowledges this dispute and says, yes, the Samaritans worshiped in this place and the Jews worship over here in this place, but a time is coming and has now come when worshipers 
won't be concerned with the place of their worship. Rather, their hearts will be focused on the person of their worship. Their hearts will be focused on God himself. So just as Jesus said then, that time has already come that our focus would not be on the style of our worship, on the song choice of our worship, that, that our focus would not be on the place of our worship, but the focus of our hearts would be on the person of our worship, that the focus of our hearts in worship would be on God and God alone. And so let me pause for a moment of self-inventory and simply ask you, where is the focus of your heart in worship? Where's the focus of your heart in worship? Uh, do you find it difficult to worship if the song choice or the song style doesn't fit your personal preference? Do you find it difficult to worship if you're not able to sit in the same seat on Sunday morning because this is my place of worship. This is where I sit and where I stand for worship. I think one of the most beneficial things that 2020 has brought us is that it has forced us to do things a little bit differently and to get a little bit uncomfortable and to find out in the process that we are able to worship the Lord regardless. So where is the focus of your heart in worship? Because when Jesus meets us right where we need him to and as he offers us a greater satisfaction, the byproduct is that he refocuses our worship and instead of focusing on all of these things that don't matter, like song style or song choice or, or place of worship, all of a sudden our hearts are focused on where it truly needs to be focused. Our hearts are focused on God and God alone. So Jesus meets this woman right where she needs him to. He offers her a greater satisfaction and he refocuses her worship. And because of this encounter, I believe that this woman's life is never the same. And God's desire for you is that your life would never be the same as well. So I'm gonna invite Matthew and the praise team back up here, and we're gonna sing a final song this morning. And as we sing this song, I would encourage you to allow Jesus to meet you right where you need him to. Maybe you're here today and you would say as you look at your own life, there is this one well, there is this one place that you keep going back to time and time again for fulfillment. Maybe you're already a believer, but, but you know that you've got this one place in your life that you keep going back to for fulfillment and you realize that that one place doesn't truly satisfy that you keep, you keep going back to that well, but you're still thirsty. Would you today, would you in this moment allow for Jesus to meet you right at that well? Would you allow him right where you need him to? And would you allow for him to offer you a greater satisfaction? Would you allow for him to offer you that satisfaction in himself? And if you're already a believer, would you just allow for him to renew that satisfaction in him this morning? Maybe you're here today and you would say, as you look at your own heart, as you look at your own life, you would say, many times you have allowed for your heart to be focused on the wrong things in worship. 
Maybe you've allowed for song choice or song style or place of worship or COVID-19 or anything else going on in this world to, to prevent you from worshiping God freely, to prevent you from focusing on what matters most in your worship, to, to prevent you from worshiping on God and God alone. Would you allow for Jesus to meet you right there this morning? And would you simply confess that to the Lord, that your heart's been focused in the wrong places? And would you allow for him this morning to simply refocus your worship? Maybe you're here today and you would say you have never given your life to the Lord or you're watching online this morning and you would say you've never given your life to the Lord. But today, just as Jesus revealed himself to be the Messiah, to this woman at the well today, you recognize that Jesus is revealing himself to be the Messiah to you. Today, Jesus is revealing himself to be the one that has come to save you, the one that has come to forgive you, the one that has come to fulfill you. Today, would you allow Jesus to meet you right there? And as Jesus reveals himself to be Lord, would you turn from your sins? Would you confess those sins to the Lord, ask for forgiveness? And would you allow for Jesus to become the Lord of your life? If that's you today, then I would encourage you just to make a simple confession. Jesus is Lord. Hey folks, this is Pastor Dennis Hester, and I wanna thank you for joining First Baptist Watauga through our podcast and hearing the message today. My prayer is that you were encouraged and uplifted by the preaching and teaching of God's word. Our goal here is to equip you in your faith and to encourage you as you worship the Lord and seek to serve Him. If you have a question or you have a decision that you'd like to make, I'd encourage you to reach out to us through our website at fbcwatauga.org or simply call the church office. You can find that number or our email addresses there on that website as well. And by doing that, uh, we'd be glad to hear from you and we'd be encouraged about hearing what God's doing in your life. So God bless you and have a great day.